You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. Well, like Tim said this morning, we're talking about what to preach. It's kind of a weird day to preach on the day after Christmas. And, and uh, I just thought, man, here you go. I, I just kind of had an idea hit me while we were meeting in the office. And, and he did. He said, all right, I want you to preach it then. But, you know, it is weird because it's the, it's the day after Christmas. This is also the last Sunday uh, of the year. And so when you, you know, you know, all the dad jokes, we'll see you next year, uh, you know, after today. Um, but... <laughs> You know, it is, it's strange because we still got Christmas decorations up and, and uh, you know, do you preach Christmas stuff? Do you preach about the new year? Do I preach about this year ending? You know, it, it's always good to look back and reflect on the year. It's always good, good to look back and be grateful for what the Lord has done uh, in us and through us this last year. It's always good to look back and, like, learn from our mistakes, learn from where we blew it in this year and how we could do better, better next year. And, you know, just in this message this morning, I want to do all that. I want to I want to reflect, I want to learn, I want to remember, I want to celebrate Christmas, and I want to look ahead uh, to what God has for us. So, you know, I think this is a great week, this, this last week of 2021, to pray and ask the Lord what he would have you lean into, you know, this, this next season as we, as we move into another year, and, and, and to show you things that he wants you to leave behind in this last year that not to take into 2022. So, you know, the day after Christmas has such strange feelings, right, because we spend we spend weeks and weeks, you know, getting ready for one day. <laughs> it was a lot. And now that it's over, it's like, well, man, like, do we take all these decorations down? Because it sure took a long time to put them up, you know. And if you're like my family, when I was growing up, you leave them up until about May and then you take them down. So, you know, and then you just leave the Christmas lights on the house all year long because it's just too much work to get back on there, <laughs> you know. You know, we could all be like Walmart where before Christmas is even over, we got Valentine's Day stuff out and ready to set up, you know. And before Valentine's Day gets here, you know, men, don't wait to the last minute to get Valentine's Day stuff because Easter stuff will be out when you go to get Valentine's Day stuff, you know. <laughs> and Christmas, you know, Christmas, it comes with, you know, a weird mix of emotions. You know, maybe you were anticipating some big gift that you didn't get or you did get it and you realized that it lets you down like everything else. Um, you know, or you ever, you ever got something for somebody and you're like, they're really going to enjoy this. They're really going to like this. And when they open it, you're like, they really don't enjoy it. You know, they, they, they might fake it. So, you know, some people are sad that Christmas is over. You know, we got to wait another 365 days. Some are, you know, myself relieved that it's over. Um, it's a big, it's a big mix of emotions, but regardless, like we as believers understand the reason for the season was Jesus. Like we were celebrating the birth of our savior and obviously, you know, we've gone through the last couple of weeks and, and, and through our incredible Christmas production, um, Matthew and Luke gave us such great descriptions of the events surrounding his birth. But something that always has made me curious is there's not a lot of description of what happens after his birth. And so I've always thought like, you know, we, we with our kids last night, we watched The, the Chosen made, uh, I think it came out last year, but they made a, a deal about, it's called The Shepherd Story. And it's, it's about the shepherd, it's on YouTube, you can watch it for free, but it's about the, uh, the viewpoint of a shepherd coming and holding baby Jesus. And it, I, I was trying not to cry all the way through it, or I was crying, trying not to was bad, you know, that's, I was crying. Um, it's super moving, I know, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's very, very, very moving, but I, in, in, to see Mary and Joseph hold the baby, but then I think about, okay, what'd they do the next day? 
Like, did they stay in the stable for a long time? Like, were they there in the cave with the animals for a while? Like, was, ba- was, it, was like the crib, like the manger, was that the crib for a long time or just for that time? Like, how long before they went back to Galilee? How long before, I always think, how long before they went to, uh, uh, to, went to Egypt, right? And, and man, like, if you have ever traveled with little kids, it's awesome. You know, and, 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 you know, traveling, traveling with toddlers and babies now is hard, but imagine Mary and Joseph, like they didn't throw him in the minivan. There wasn't a car seat that they strapped him in, right? They didn't, they didn't play his favorite VeggieTales song driving down the road and throw, and throw chicken nuggets in the back seat. Like that wasn't an option. They had to take a donkey to Egypt. Like my goodness. And, and, and not just that they were traveling for holidays, they were running for their lives. Jeez, man, like, you know, and so, you know, I think about you know, what happened the day after. What was it like holding the Son of God in their arms day after day after day? What, what, you know, they had to change his diapers every day. They had to raise the kid now. They had to clean up scraped knees and, 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 and you know, bruised elbows or whatever. You know, boys are boys, and they're, you know, they're going to fall down and get hurt. You know, and what fear they must have felt. Like, this is the son of God that we're taking care of, and, like, we've got to, you know, we have to protect him, you know? It's, it's funny, too, like, when you have your firstborn, you're, like, overprotective, and, like, right, you, like, you have the cabinet things where they can't open the, the little locks, and then you put the things in the, the outlets where they can't reach in, and, you know, and then, you know, by the second kid, all those things are broken, um, and so, you know, you do a pretty good job of watching them. By the third kid, you know, you're watching them stick a fork in the outlet and thinking they'll be okay, like, they're pretty durable, so... <laughs> You learn that they're pretty durable, like, the more that you have. Um, <laughs> but I also think about that, too, like, because Mary and Joseph had kids after Jesus. Like, how do you explain that to the younger siblings? Like, your older brother is God. Like, right? Like, how weird is that? And oftentimes, you know, just oftentimes it's usually the oldest that is, like, the golden child or, like, you know, so, sometimes the favorite or whatever. And, and, like, really, really, this was the golden child. Like, really, like, this, this was the favorite. Like, I love you, son, but that's, that's God. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so weird. But I wonder what was it like feeding him, caring for him, hearing his first words, yeah. watching, his, watching the Son of God learn how to walk. Like, that is, that's so wild to me. And, and so, you know, Jesus is born, exciting moment, the an, but, but the angels are gone, the shepherds are gone, the wise men dropped off their gifts, and then they're, they bounced. Like, they're out. <laughs> you know, and Mary and Joseph, now they've got the kid, now they've got to raise him. And so after the excitement is over, like, you know, now, now what? Now they got to keep him warm, keep him cool, keep him safe, get up and feed him in the middle of the night, rock him to sleep. You know, and if you ever think, if, if you've had kids, you know that, like, day-to-day, like, mundane grind kicks in. And, like, man, like, I have changed five diapers today. And it's like, you went again? <laughs> like... You know what I mean? And it's just like you, and, and as they get older, it's like, you know, you clog the toilet again? Like you, right? And it's just like, you know, the day-to-day, like the grind that can be, that can be frustrating uh, and can be hard uh, for sure. And, and uh, you know, I've heard this said, it's like the, the, the days are long, but the years are short. And man, how quickly right now, parents, do we look and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're two. I can't believe you're five. I can't believe you're nine. I can't believe you're, 
20. I can't believe you're 30. I can't believe you're 35. And it's just like, where did, you know, during those mundane moments, oftentimes we, we, we miss out on what God is doing in those moments. And, and we, right, we get tired, but then quickly we go back and, man, if we could just sit down and have dinner again. You know, if we could just, if I could just change that diaper one more time. If I could just hold you one more time, right? And, and man, I want you to know that, that, that God is just as much at work in the mundane moments as he is in the big moments. And so God, you know, he's, he's born. <clears throat> he's born, now what? What happens the day after Christmas, the week after, the month after? You know, and in, in our day-to-days, we have big days that we prepare for, right? Like we have big days that we remember. We remember the birthdays and we remember the births, the literal births. We remember the weddings. We remember the graduations. We remember the big game. We remember the big moments of, of life. And, and, you know, even those big days seem to fade a little bit. But I want you to know it, it's not just about the exciting days. How you live in the day-to-day is important. How you live in the mundane, in the forgettable moments is important. We serve a God of process. We serve a God who is in the process. And if you read scripture, God made a lot of people wait a long time for things as he does for us. And, and, and I think sometimes it, it, it's, it's weird because we, we, you know, we get saved or we have this big moment with the Lord or we whatever. And then it's like, well, now, now, now what? That happened yesterday, that happened last week, that happened a month ago, that happened 10 years ago. Lord, this prophetic word was spoken over me. I see what is promised, but what is happening in this lull here? It feels, sometimes it feels like nothing, but I want you to know that, that God is looking for people who stay faithful in the process, that stay faithful in the waiting, that stay faithful in the growing. You know, s- spiritual maturity is, is not the person who comes in here and dances the hardest during worship. Spiritual maturity is, is the application of seemingly, seemingly elementary things for a long period of time. That's what spiritual maturity is. It's not, you know, when Colton's playing those drums and Kennedy is singing those notes and Lucas is over here, you know, not even playing his guitar. He's dancing around with his microphone, like, you know, his move that he always does. But that's, uh, it's, it's not, a, you know, when, when, Lucas takes the, when Lucas takes the microphone, off the stand, it's about to get real. Uh, but but it's, it's not who can dance the hardest during that time. It's like, it's who can live faithful in the day-to-day moments. You know, the, this, it's in the waiting, it's in the growing. This, the, this spiritual, spiritual, spiritual maturity is being able to be obedient all the time. It's, it's, uh, I, I once heard a man, he basically, he taught, he asked the question, what makes a good person a good person? And his answer was a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. And so it's not just doing this thing on Sunday morning, but it's doing this thing every single day. <clears throat> so, so now what? Now what, now what you've got to know is that there's a process. And the process is the time between where you are now and where the promise is. It's the time between where you are now and what he's called you to do. Where you are now and where you want to be. The prayer you prayed and the answer that you're waiting for. Now what? Now there's a process. You had the baby. Now what? Well, now you got to raise it. You got into college. Now you got to go to class. It's exciting. I got that letter from college. I'm, I'm in. Well, now you got to go to class for two years, for four years, for six years, for eight years, for ten years. Now you got to go to class. We got the degree. Now you got to find a job. Now you got the job. Now you got to go to work. It's exciting to get the degree. It's exciting to get the job. It's exciting to get the promotion. But now you got to go to work every day for the rest of your life. God bless, you know, 
You got married. That's exciting. Now you got to stay married. <laughs> you know? You got the home. You got the car. You got the paycheck. You got the promotion. You got the gift. You got the anointing. Now you got to steward it. Now you got to steward it. You know? You're retired. Now what? Now, now what? Now what are you doing? What's God called you to do? Will you be found faithful? I, I, think about, I think about King David. When King David was anointed, he was, what, like 12 to 14 years old? He got anointed, and guess what? He didn't get escorted to the throne room. Nope, now you've got to go back out there and work with those sheep. I know you're covered in oil, but there's sheep to watch. And you're not sitting on the throne today. And you're going to go out there, and you're going to hang out with those sheep for the next 18 years, my guy. Ooh, man. You know, Ecclesiastes shows us that, that the shine of material things wears off. They, everything loses its shine. Everything is vanity. Jesus said, don't store up treasure where moths, moths and rust wear it away. But, but we also need to know that, that the shine even wears off heavenly things. Not because those things become less heavenly, but because we lose our focus. We begin to focus on other things. The shine the shine's going to wear off for your marriage if you don't steward it. The shine's going to wear off for your kids if you don't raise them. The shine's going to wear off your ministry, your assignment, your purpose. Your shine's going to wear off in your relationship with Jesus. Not because he loses his shine, but because our eyes fade when we refuse to engage with him. Well, I don't refuse. refuse. I'm just busy. We all get busy. And, a lot, and the reason that a lot of people slip into depression, they slip into anxiety, they slip into fill in the blank, you name it, they fall into sin. It always started with a compromise in the secret place. It always started because I distanced myself from him. See, God is not the inconsistent one we are. We are the inconsistent ones. And, I, and just personal testimony, and my wife will tell you, I went through about four weeks of just funk here recently. And I was always frustrated, and I always had a short fuse, and it felt like I was walking around in a fog. But I knew where he was. I knew whose fault it was. It was, it was me. James 4.8 says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. But you know, like, you know, Christmas, we get excited, we're celebrating, it's awesome. What are you going to do tomorrow? And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. What happens the day after you know, right after we get saved, we get fired up, we get ready to conquer the world for Jesus. But what happens when the excitement wears off? And does the excitement have to wear off? Nope. Nope. Pastor Tim is twice my age, and he's the most excited man that I've ever met. He's excited about everything. And if you ever hang out with Tim and Terry together, they are the most fun people in the world. They have the most incredible marriage. I want my marriage to be just like theirs. Why? Because Tim is a man of prayer. He stewards his relationship with the Lord and he stewards his relationship with his wife. So it's incredible. He doesn't take his hands off of it. Come on. <laughs> so what happens the day after, the week after, the month after, the year after, 10 years after, 20 years after? How can we be found faithful in that process? How can we ensure that the shine doesn't go away? I'm gonna give you a few points this morning. The first point is you have to abide. You have to stay with him. You have to remain with him. John 15 verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
And so if you're lacking on the fruit of the Spirit, if you're lacking on peace, love, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control, if you're lacking on those things, maybe you're not abiding. Maybe you're not remaining with him. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 9, he says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. We're supposed to abide. I, I find it fascinating that in 2 Timothy, possibly Paul's last letter, he wrote to his spiritual son, and one of the first things that he tells Timothy is fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Fan into flame. That's the last letter, first thing that he tells Timothy, his son, you better fan that thing into flame, buddy, because it will go out. It will go out if you don't steward this thing that God has given you, if you don't steward this relationship with him. You know, we, we <clears throat> well, I'll say it like this. Well, I'll let Christine Kane say it. Christine Kane say it like this. Christine Kane said, Christians don't burn out because of what they're doing for God. They burn out because of what they stop doing. They burn out because of what they stop doing. And what they stop doing is they stop abiding. Many times we get caught up in doing things for him that we forget to do them with him. And, 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 my little funky period that I went through recently, I was doing lots of things for God. I was teaching Bible class. I was preaching at church. I was teaching interns. I was discipling. I was meeting with people. I was doing lots and lots and lots of things for him, but I wasn't doing them with him. And that's a huge difference. And if I don't do them with him, I'm going to burn out. I've got to do them with him. I've got to abide. I've got to be with him. So what do you do the day after Christmas? You abide. What do you do the day after you get saved? Abide. What do you do the day after that? Abide. What do you do the day after that? Abide, 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 abide. And and listen, when we don't abide, that's what happens is we go through these little funks and we call them seasons. I'm just going through a dry season right now. Really? With the all-consuming fire? Just in a winter season right now. With the all-consuming fire. Just a dry season, the fountain of living water. And you're dry? Is that his fault? Or yours? Right? And, you know, we'll, we'll blame everything, except, you know, we'll blame God, we'll blame. And, and listen, hear me. I'm not saying that you don't have a bad day. I'm not saying that you don't have a bad week. But it shouldn't become a bad season. You think about the way that Paul ended Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, I have found the secret in all things. And it's not because of how much I have or how many people I have in my life. I have found the secret, and it is rejoicing in the Lord. Come on. Far too you know, you burn out, you get exhausted, you get offended. It's not your spouse's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's not my fault. It might be Tim's fault. No, I'm kidding. It's not, it's not Tim's fault. It's not Paul's fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's your fault. And far too many Christians play the blame game when other people around them aren't perfect while neglecting the fire they're supposed to tend. So we jump from church to church to church to job to job to job to school to school to school, always hoping that the next place will be perfect. And listen, if you find that perfect place, don't go there. Because you'll be perfect. You'll make it imperfect. 
But we're always looking for greener pastures. But the pasture's not greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. We know this. It's greener where we water it. Psalms 1 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Each season. Their leaves never wither. Each season. Not just one season a year. Not just one season every five years. Not like, well, man, I bared a lot of fruit ten years ago. I'm just kind of riding it out now. No, each season you're called to bear fruit. Every season we're called to bear fruit. And your leaves should never wither if you have planted yourself next to the stream of living water, which is Jesus. I think about, you know, after the Christmas story, after Mary and Joseph, uh, after they had the baby, and we have one little narrative about the boyhood of Jesus, and it's found in Luke chapter 2 verses 41 through 51, but they, they, they went to Passover, they went to the festival. This would have been something they had done every year. Uh, they go and leave. They assume that their 12-year-old uh, boy is with family or with friends, uh, and, then, and then they realize that night he's not with them, and they start looking for him. And actually, it's fascinating. New Living Translation, verse 43, says his parents didn't miss him at first. Neither do we. Neither do we. we. We start inching our way out of the secret place slowly. We stop abiding slowly, and we don't miss him at first, but then we look around and go, oh, no. Where is he at? We get caught up in religious duty. We get caught up with friends, with our small groups, with Christmas plays. We get busy. We get excited about our mission, and we lose sight of him. <clears throat> this wasn't the fault of Jesus. He was a boy. But it's, out, it's now also not his fault because he's the king of kings. He shouldn't have to ask us to keep up with him. <laughs> it's, all, it's interesting to me is that they lost, they lost him for three days. This, it's actually the only time in, in the Gospels that mentions three days besides the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's three days. Luke was foreshadowing something that was going to happen. But, but three days is mentioned here. And, it's, you know, it, it's if you ever lost track of your kid for even like a minute, it's the most terrifying feeling that you ever have. But imagine losing God's son. For three days, you lost God's son. <clears throat> but I also, man, I go and I, and I, you know, that three days, I also think about, man, how did the, the disciples feel when Jesus went into that tomb for three days? And they thought they lost him. They thought that they lost him. They thought that, that you know, they had left everything to follow him. They, they didn't have anything to go back to. And they thought this guy was about to establish the kingdom. They thought he was about to overthrow Rome. And they thought that they lost him. But Mary and Joseph found him. They found him in the temple, teaching the old guys. <laughs> Jesus rose again. He came back to life. He found his disciples. They found him. I want us to see this morning, those that we have a responsibility to follow him. We don't add him to our lives. We add our entire selves to him. He is about, what he told his, his mom and dad is, don't you know I'd be about my father's business? He's about his father's business, and so should we. We know where to find him. He says, if you seek him, you will find him. We must not lose sight of him. We must know where he is and what he is up to. He is not following us. We are following him. And it's often in the mundane, the seemingless, meaningless days that we get caught up working for him that we forget we're supposed to be with him. 
But we've got to know, we've got to pause and observe. Like there's beauty in the mundane. There's beauty in the day-to-day moments. These days are but a whisper. Scripture shows us they're but a whisper. They're but a vapor. They're but a, a, a fleeting mist. But we need to slow down and enjoy it with him. You know, I, Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And busyness is the opposite of stillness. Well, we've got to, we, you know, I would encourage you at least once a day, be still, focus on him, know that he is God, know that he is control, and follow after him. And, and, and stillness bothers people. We're so programmed to move on to the next thing and go on to the next thing. You know, Chick-fil-A has got us programmed where we're, we're constantly moving and moving and moving and moving. But, I, you know, I want to encourage you, when you're spending time with him, be still and wait for him. Wait on the Lord and he will renew your strength. Wait on the wind of God to come blow on your life. And listen, even when we're in church service together, even when we're doing things together, don't be afraid of the stillness. Don't be afraid of the stillness. Don't be afraid of the quiet place. Whenever, whenever I think about it sometimes, I can feel it in the room oftentimes. Whenever we're doing, uh, whenever we're doing worship, sometimes it comes to like where the worship song is a little bit of a, a little lull, and I feel people get kind of antsy. There's no reason to get antsy. Let's just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Let's just be still and know that he is God. And, and, and Lucas can't wreck this thing because the Holy Spirit is in control. And he doesn't have to just go on and move on. And Kennedy doesn't have to go on and move on. Like, let's be still and focus on him and know that he is God and know that he has got us in his hand. Can you still your heart and mind? Can you slow down? We don't fit God into our schedules. We fit ourselves into his. He's God. He's in charge. He comes on his timing. And the day after Christmas in the mundane, we must abide. We must draw near. We must come close. He came close to us. It's now our job to come close to him. I, I want to say this too. The day after Christmas, we abide. The day after we abide. The day after we abide. The day after we abide. But I want to say this, this next part is like the day after Christmas, we still celebrate. We never stop celebrating. What do we do the day after Christmas? We celebrate. We celebrate him. And the day after that, we celebrate him. And the day after that, we celebrate him. And the day after that, we celebrate him. Our whole life is about celebrating him. When we celebrate him every day, we become the light of the world. When we celebrate Jesus every day, not just at Christmas season, when we celebrate him every day, we become the light of the world. Jesus said in Matthew 5, he's he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. He didn't say himself. He said, you are the light of the world. Mm. Now, John 1, 4 says, his life is the light of all men. And I believe that as you abide with him, as you spend time with him, as you seek him in your secret place, and, and you know, we get out of this, I'm just going to worship God from 1030 to 12 on Sunday morning, but we begin to worship God and we have communion with him every single day. He fills you with his spirit, and that celebration is an overflow of you being filled in the secret place. I heard a preacher say recently, he said, lots of Christians work tirelessly to put Christ back in Christmas, but few work hard at putting Christ back into Christian. We often do a great job of proclaiming his name during the Christmas season. Do we do a great job of proclaiming it during every season? On Christmas, we celebrate him, but we've got to know as believers the day after we celebrate him. 
and the week after we celebrate him, and the month after we celebrate him, and six months after we celebrate him. Hashtag Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the reason for every season. <laughs> Hashtag Jesus is the greatest gift. He's the greatest gift every day, not just at Christmas time. <clears throat> I understand that Christmas is a big celebration of his birth, but what would happen if we entered into this lifestyle of celebration? Where what if we were all as excited to come into the presence of God together every Sunday morning as we were on the Christmas Sunday morning or on the Easter Sunday morning? What if we, were, what if we lived where every day we woke up and we celebrated him? And we were at our job site, we celebrated him. We were with our families, we celebrated him. And our marriage was a celebration of him. And we hit the pillows at night before we went to sleep, we celebrated him. Our, it's supposed to be a lifestyle of celebration. And listen, if you'll live that lifestyle, if you'll abide and celebrate and abide and celebrate and abide and celebrate and abide and celebrate, if we all did that, do you know how crazy Sunday morning would be? If everybody came in here on the same page of like, I'm coming in here to give glory and honor and worship to Jesus? Man. Because then you wouldn't come in with this mindset of, like, I need Lucas to play my song today. (laughs) Entertain me, Pastor Tim. We would come in in reverence and awe and just want to bring him honor and glory no matter what song they're singing because they're all about him. And no matter what pastor preached because he's preaching from the word of God. Come on. Our lives should be a celebration of our king, of our bridegroom, of our Lord, of our savior. What if we celebrated Jesus every day? We would touch heaven. We would see his face. We would experience the kingdom. I want you to know that God is working in the mundane. He's working in your background. He's working the day after Christmas as much as he's working on Christmas. He's working in the calm. He's working in the storm. He's working in your gain, and he's working in your loss. He's working. He's fighting. He's winning. He's winning. Daily celebrating Jesus, and and, and I don't know, and Pastor Tim, during when he was stage hosting, he was talking about just some hard times that we go through, and obviously this is a hard season for others, and this was a hard year, and we experienced some, some experienced loss and devastation and different things going on in your life, but, but I want you to know, like, celebrating Jesus is not dependent on your circumstances. It, it shouldn't be dependent on your circumstances. Daily celebrating Jesus is dependent on, it, it, we celebrate him because he's worth celebrating all the time, regardless of our circumstances. And I'll, if we delis if we daily celebrate Jesus, I will say it won't at first change your circumstances. But over time, it will get you into a place where you have the authority to change your circumstances. If your life is a constant celebration of him, it will give you the authority to change your circumstances. But the quickest thing to get you out of celebration is complaining. Complaining will take you straight out. Man, we got to look back and, and see what all we have to be thankful for. And we're there in this Christmas season. We're thankful for Emmanuel. We're thankful for God in flesh. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but, but now much more my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Wherever you're at today, I want you to know that you are invited into celebrating him. No matter what's going on, you are invited into celebrating Jesus. And I want, and I want to say this. If, it, if you're in a season 
where it is hard for you to celebrate, find others who are celebrating. Position yourself around other people who are celebrating. Mary had to go to Zachariah and Elizabeth because something was going on the inside of her that she didn't understand, and she needed people in her life who understood what was going on on the inside of her. Position yourself around people who are celebrating. And just because, and just because you don't feel it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't. Look for people who are celebrating the goodness of God and put yourself around them, and I promise you it will rub off on you. <laughs> There is a coming, there's a coming in to abide. There's a going out to celebrate. This is worship. This is lifestyle. This is holiness. This is Christmas. This is every day, mundane, day to day. We should abide. We should be celebrating. And the, the, what I want to end with today is we have to be a people that finish well. It last, the, after Christmas, the day after, the day after, the day after, it's the process that takes people out. I want to be found faithful all the days of my life. I want to be found faithful all the days of my life. The, the, the stories that we could look up of, of great men and women who have fallen are a lot. The stories of men who have been faithful for their entire lives are few. We have to be a people that finish well. Everyone starts well, but few people finish well. Even in scripture, we see it. A lot of people that start well and few finish well. And our passion, our devotion, our fire for the Lord should not diminish. It should increase. It should grow. And it's on us. It's our responsibility. If your fire has grown cold this morning, it's not God's fault. It might be yours. And I want to, and and this is the greatest fear of my life is that I will not be burning brighter and hotter at 52 than I am at 32. And that my passion and devotion and zeal for the Lord and his ways will not be greater at 72 than they are at 52. I want to steward this thing. I want to fan this thing into flame. I want to be a man that finishes well. Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 16, Paul says, not that I have already obtained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race... The runners all compete, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you might win it. Now, you read those verses, and that sounds hard. But Jesus never said that it would be easy. He just said that it would be worth it. It would be worth it. It would be worth it. And, and I can stand up here in testimony of my own life is that there were men before me who ran their race well. And I want my boys and my little girl to one day be able to point to dad and say he ran his race well. I want to be a man that finishes well. One of the saddest stories in all of scripture is Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20. Hezekiah was a godly king for a lot of his life and didn't finish well. And he gets sick and he asks the Lord to extend his days to heal him. And Isaiah comes and says, you're going to, be able, you're going to live for 15 more years. And that's awesome. He, you know, God 
was going to extend his life for 15 years when he was dying of his own, his own, his own consequences. 15 more years, that's awesome. Well, then in that 15 years, he screws up again. You think he would use that 15 years to go all in and like, awesome, this is amazing, Lord. But he has, a, he has an evil king come into the palace and he shows him everything in the palace, shows him everything in the temple, everything that he's not supposed to show this king, he does. And Isaiah comes to him and says, what did you show him? And he said, I showed him everything. And he said, because of this, your descendants will be taken into captivity into Babylon. And it says that Hezekiah in his own heart says, at least it won't happen in my lifetime. He says, at least I'll have peace and security while I reign and rule. And church, I want you to know this morning, finishing well isn't just about you. It's about the next generation. It's about the next generation. And I want to encourage you this morning, everybody from the youngest to the oldest, how you end this year is, how, is going to be how you start the next. Lots of people want to make New Year's resolutions, but friend, if you're not doing them already, don't expect to do them next year. This is an everyday thing. It starts now. It doesn't start on January 1st. We've got to finish this well. We've got to abide. We've got to celebrate. We've got to finish well in everything that we do. The day after Christmas, what do you do? You abide. The day after Christmas, you give thanks. The day after Christmas, you celebrate. The day after Christmas, you finish this thing well. Jesus finished well. He was obedient unto death all the way to the cross. If you'll stand with me, I want to end with worship this morning. Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures all generation. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to, I want to look back on what all God has done. And I want to give thanks. And I want to look at yesterday at Christmas and we celebrated his birth. We celebrated God with us, but I also want to celebrate what he is currently doing now. And I want to celebrate what he's going to do this next year. I want to have a celebration as we end this year, the last Sunday of 2021 with Christian Ministries Church. I want to bring our King worship. I want to turn our attention and our affection towards him. I want to end with a celebration today. I want to end with worship of our King today. I want to bring an offering to Him. Worship is an offering. Worship is a sacrifice. David says in Psalms 27, I come into the temple and I offer shouts of sacrifice, meaning I give Him something. I don't come in empty-handed and expect Him to come in and blow my mind. I come in and I lift up His name for all that He's done. And this Christmas season, and the day after Christmas season, and the day after, and the day after, and the day after, I celebrate that we have a God who I was an enemy of, who I was a sinner, who I ran away from. He came as Emmanuel. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus grew up, faced every temptation that I could not overcome, and He was found faithful. And He went to the cross. And he became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in him. And then he ascended to his throne and he sent his Holy Spirit 
so that I would no longer just be God with us, it would be God in us. And I've got so much gratefulness because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And I want to be the light to the world because I want the world to know this Jesus that we have found. And so I want him to come fill us this morning as we bring thanksgiving to him, as we minister to his heart, as we bring him sacrifices, he always pours out in return. And may he pour his spirit out on Christian Ministries Church. And may the next year, 2022, be the best year that we've ever experienced. And may we see more miracles and more signs and more wonders than we've seen in all of our previous years before this. May be this the greatest move of God in our church that we've ever seen. I want to go from glory to glory. I don't want to settle for religious people in short, sweet services. I want to see the sick healed and the dead raised. I want to see the prodigals come home. And so I'm going to come into his courts with thanksgiving on what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Come on, Lucas, let's sing this out. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.